Welcome to Feedback. We are a podcast that believes through education, support, and inclusion. You can achieve your VBAC and empowered birth. Come sit and chat with your personal VBAC doulas, Emmy, aka the Birth Wizard, and Carrie of Ginger Blossom Doula Services. Our combined years and knowledge of VBAC is what's ignited our path to talk to you every other week about the magic of birth. Welcome back to VBAC. I'm Emmy, the birth wizard. And I'm Carrie, the ginger blossom doula. Well, this week we're going to talk about something real fun. We're going to talk about the three myths that drive us nuts around VBAC or even uh, CBAC. (laughs) I think it's incredible how much uh, mythos and almost lore can happen around a topic like like VBAC and CBAC. Can I just say this is probably one of the reasons too why I became a doula and like really hyper-focused on this was just really? because of like seeing, you know, because you're a part of a lot of like motherboards or, you know, yes. groups on Facebook or even like VBAC specific groups and the amount of misinformation or myths that drop on those. Oh, I could just fall out of my chair. You know, just sometimes it's, <laughs> it makes me think of... um have you ever seen Monsters, Inc.? Yes. Okay, you know the part where, um, oh God, what's the little girl's name? I'm having a brain. Boo. Boo. You know, uh, Sully thinks Bruce being like crushed and he's, yes. there's, they show him like passing out then coming back and then going back out. That's how I, <laughs> that's like what I'm at when I see some of the information that, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, exactly. Okay, you know the part. Maybe we'll have to post something on like Instagram or something <laughs> so people can understand. That's like how I, I totally envision myself responding or not responding, just reacting <laughs> to some of the things that come out there. And it's all out of, you know, this love and, you know, wanting to help yeah. that person. But it's just like, oh, you know. <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, I will actually reach out to them in private just to be like, hey. I'm a doula. Right. I got this advanced, you know, training and VBACs and stuff. Here's some real great, like, evidence-based stuff you might want to read through. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's really easy to find it. Um, and some of the stuff even still posted in, like, listicles. Or even mm-hmm. if you just type in VBAC into Google, one of the least friendly providers in our area has themselves advertised at the very top of like VBACs, like offers VBACs and it's like ah yikes you guys yeah have no i've seen idea. some of those in our area and i'm just like i just right. try not to laugh <laughs> um so yeah that's uh i think it's a it's a fun topic for us to get into and like some of the different myths that drive us nuts oh yeah so so I'll, i think you went you want to go for, you went first I'll last go, time you all okay. right I, I think you went first last time. I'll go first. Okay, go for it. Talk, I don't scissors, remember. It's cool. Um, the very first one is you need an epidural because what if a C-section happens? What if a cesarean yep. happens? Um, and this those. is actually leftovers from like an olden era. Older, yep. Right? But you know, it's something that we had talked about earlier. This is something that happened with a client very recent of mine. And we'll talk more about that at a, a different topic in a later episode. Um, but it was the first time I had, I had had that come up and I was like, what? Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's incredible to me because uh, first of all, a part of ACOG's thing is that an anesthesiologist should be available 
um, to the hospital just in case of a uterine rupture happening and you have to move quickly into an OR. However, they don't, they're not saying that a anesthesiologist has to be on call 24 seven, but that's how some hospitals will translate that information mm-hmm. in order to become an unfriendly location. And then sure. also push this, a lot of providers will push this idea of what if a cesarean happens you right. to make sure you're prepared. And there's a lot of issues with this myth. One, we do know that by sitting still or in a particular area, you're at a higher risk of some wonkiness to your baby happening, yep. which could mm-hmm. increase your chance of needing a cesarean. Yep. Two, not everyone needs an epidural, right? No. Uh, or wants it. So there's no reason to push it changes the hormones that are released too correct and then the other part that i find really really kind of yucky and i don't love talking about like the business of hospitals but yeah it ups your bill it ups your bill and it seems awfully convenient that certain providers find it necessary of this thing that may not happen especially when we talk about uterine ruptures being like 0.5 percent of the time yep so we're going to require it of all birthers and are you going to require it of the first mm-hmm. time birthers too mm-hmm. what if cesarean right yep. like uh, oh yes i think and i love that one that was actually on one of mine and then i had crossed it off so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was i was trying to decide um and you've heard this one but it's still a big one for me because it still comes up and it's that once a cesarean always a cesarean so i had actually had um a client that had, did result in a c-section you know with her first birth and at their postpartum follow-up they were talking about you know future kids and he's like well now that you always have to have a c-section and i was like what no you know and you mentioned do you know ACOG. what i do do you know what i do do you know what i do oh. <laughs> You telling the guy, like, uh, this is my thing. Like, I oh, can get sorry. you to do that. Like, what do you do? What do you do? So, but as we all know, you know, ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetricians, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, <laughs> you know, it, they clearly say that, you know, VBAC is, is a safe what is that other word they use reasonable reasonable um choice for the majority of individuals that have had a prior cesarean yes. and that it's even for some that have had you know um are good candidates after two cesareans and we could go on in another you know episode about you know safety and risk after so many um but that's one of my my biggest things and that again that comes down to like education Again, and yeah. then realizing that actually you have a much less risk of complications with a VBAC um, mm-hmm. versus that of a repeat cesarean. So sure. I have to, I'll have to look up the statistics someplace and we can post that about like the risks with each. Um, so when you know uterine rupture is usually the one that's always brought up that that Everyone risk of uterine rupture. Everyone loves to talk about exploding uteruses. They I know, but let's see. I think what I saw in one last study was like it's a 0.5-0.7% chance yep. for just any initial birth. Yep. And then it, and when you hear the term, it doubles, you know, but you don't know that it's that first percent chance is less than 1% and it goes between, depending on the study, between like one3 to like 3%. Yes. Um, and I often say, you know, it's, you know, it's up to us to mitigate what is risk. Yeah. You know, yeah. With exactly. all of that. So everybody should be afforded that. And most individuals that do VBAC are successful, you know, anywhere between, 
know, what, 65 to 80%, somewhere like that? Yeah, it is. So um, it's, and it's, that number is dependent on practice and other variables, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is incredible to me because if you were presented the same amount of percentage for a heart surgery, no one would ever, ever talk you out of it. Ever, ever would talk you out of that surgery you know like we can fix your heart but there's a 0.5 percent chance that this could go poorly right you're like okay thank you (laughs) (laughs) give me the heart surgery right um right so it's fascinating to me um yeah and I, i think it's a good one to bring up because it's steeped in so much history i mean you and i both teach uh vbac classes and there's so much history behind that what's a cesarean always a cesarean and like where all of that comes from and how we've like passed it along i will say that i hear it a little bit less than i did even 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and i see it a lot less now so maybe maybe it's on its way out fingers crossed um the second one that i think is incredible is that uh if you have a wonky position baby there's no way you'll get your back. They have to be LOA. <laughs> they have to be perfectly uh, situated, or you don't get your feedback, right? Like, and, and this is okay. This is something that with just the birth world and everything is that your baby is moving continuously, even during labor. I think yes. most people think that baby just freezes and is ready to come out. <laughs> oh no, that baby is flipping all around. They're feeling that. Yes. So you know they might come in LOA, decide to turn. You know LOA is just a nice way of saying like. They're, they're strategically pointed. They're looking back where they need to at the perfect angle. Um, they're, but they flip the OP or sunny side up, you know, right. and then they move back. So yep. yeah, no, that's a very unrealistic. Yeah, it is. And I think so often like the talk around why someone had a cesarean a lot of times is like baby's head was too big or like they got stuck right? Because that's really the word that's always used. They got stuck. But what does that mean? And then they'll carry it on to their next birth and be like, well, it's not possible if I have a baby with a 99 percentile head. And like the things that they're told of why their their birth failed in quotation marks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you can birth a baby that's in um, a wonky position or asynclitic is the more like technical term. And sometimes babies go a little OP or a little sunny side and come back and like, mm-hmm. they're not fully sunny side or they're a little left to the right. Even in some cases, breach is within the variation of normal, right? Yeah. And it's just about pro- finding a provider who's supportive of that and actually educated in it instead of used to catching babies in one position. Only. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, I, I think this myth could be killed if we just had providers where we demanded more of them to understand positioning and what what it means rather than just like "Eh, this is hard we're just gonna we're gonna take care of it (laughs) right exactly okay so my second one is the myth that VBACs can't be induced Ooh, um can i add on to that yes Uh, and if you're induced your VBAC likeliness goes way down like, uh, like, I mean, then we just to say it again, you know, that as long as it's medically indicated, there are certain forms of um, inductions that are completely appropriate. Yes. For, you know, a VBAC client, yes. you know, and I've actually been to numerous inductions 
that have been for VBACs. And I would say, honestly, and I think I had mentioned earlier when we were talking that, um, you know, most of my inductions have turned out pretty well. So, but we do a lot of in, uh, education on like trip scores and all this stuff with right. my clients. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not just, you know, throwing them into the, to the fire and everything. So they yeah. much more educated when it comes to pursuing or having to have an induction. Yeah, for sure. And I think, be, unfortunately, because um, we've spoken about this before, of in my particular story when I was talking about like how I ended up in this, and I made the joke that I have the I can lady story. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people who end up in this community had a, f- a quote unquote failed induction, and mm-hmm. that's why they're attempting a VBAC. So they end up very scared of inductions. And the induction itself doesn't have to be scary is how you utilize those tools. And those tools can either build a, a, a home or they can tear it down. So yep. know how to build that, that home. Don't be afraid of the hammer, mm-hmm. right? Don't be afraid. I agree. Of- no, it's 100%. Exactly. And just for those of you that don't know, ICANN is the International Cesarean Awareness Network. So it's a great resource for yeah. those that are joined for VBACs or HVACs. Not um, like the heating and cooling system, CBAC, cesarean, <laughs> um, cesarean. So even if you're just looking for like information on cesareans, I think it's yep. excellent. Um, I will you can say link that- up with other support groups. Perhaps some regions have them in your area. It might be nice. Um, yeah. Those would be like that link that was noted in an earlier episode of getting that you know that honest response to providers in your area and yeah. finding truly supportive um, be back friendly, you know, OBs or midwives. For sure. Um, it's an excellent resource. And what I'm referring to there is quite a few people will tell their story and it sounds very similar every time. And that's where kind of that fear can get planted of like, oh crap, it went that way last time. Now I'm going to get the same story again. And I want to encourage you of like, there's no way to repeat your old story. You're not the same person you were last time. This is not the same baby as last time. It might not be with the same provider. It might not Mm -hmm. be in the same hospital. There's no way to have the exact same birth, even if they start to like have similar story beats. Yes. Yes. I hundred percent agree. Yeah. So just, just be conscious of that fear and how it like colors Mm -hmm. your time. Okay. My last myth that drives me nuts is that can't have a VBAC if you have a high BMI or that your BMI affects your VBAC. Oh, girl. I'm sorry. I have to say it um, because it's put out there tons. Like you can. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And they're they're like, oh my God, I've gained so much or like, oh my God, I've not gained enough or like whatever it Mm -hmm. may be, whatever your, your shame flavor. You know, it's inputted in with the VBAC, you know, it's used with the VBAC calculator, your weight and you know that percentile you get and we guys will have an episode on the VBAC calculator and all of its glory um I hope you can sense sarcasm in that (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah there are a lot of myths for those that are certain BMI indicators um there you know a lot of uh fat shaming fat phobias um a lot of additional barriers to get through on top of already some of those VBAC barriers you know so yeah. it takes a, a lot of preparation I'm very much yeah. so for somebody who you know is plus size and going for a v-back I, so. I think it's the story that always stuck close to me and I'm going to tell you guys a personal story um 
my grandmother is the one who completely dispelled this for me because when I was going for my first feedback, my, my BMI was brought up and I think it was brought up in a very like soft way. It was not the midwives being like, ah, oh, it's impossible, but like, mm-hmm. you need to watch your weight. You need to stay in a healthy range, yada, yada. Right. Which still has like some problematic things in there, but it wasn't from a totally like shady sure. phobic place. My grandmother, I brought this up to her and she's like, you know, with my first, which was a singleton birth, she gained 85 pounds. And in her last two weeks of pregnancy, because she was gaining weight so quickly, they put her on an all liquid diet. Oh my and that God. baby, of course, this is sixties, right? Totally different era, but that baby ended up being uh, 10 pounds and a good size boy. Right. Uh, three years later, she got pregnant with my mom and my aunt and each baby weighed eight pounds. They were born at 40 weeks and she beautiful walked out of the hospital in the pants. She got pregnant in. She could not keep weight on during her twin pregnancy. And so she looked at me and she said, every pregnancy is different of what your body demands. Yes. And it like was so affirming to me of like, okay, yeah, that's, I'm going to keep this in mind because it is so easy when you're preparing for a VBAC to get like so inundated and like obsessive with like, I'm going to make every part of this work and be like, so on the T, especially if you're like a personality at all, like there's a checklist. I'm going to do the checklist. Right. You Um, just, you've read my mind. I was like a VBAC is not a checklist. It's I mean, not, you can do everything to prepare just like we do for if it's our first birth, right. you know, it's not a failure though, if, you know, it, it doesn't go how we hope for, or you didn't do it enough, you know, that could be a whole episode in itself. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so but just like be gentle to yourself because like my yes. grandma said about like every pregnancy and everybody needs different things. So mm-hmm. be kind because it is so easy to get caught up on how your body failed. Um, it is and you know we we talked about you know finding you know that the VBAC friendly provider you know you need to find that size friendly provider as well and if you had heard my episode with kind of my my birth stories and how I became a doula you know I I had found a very VBAC friendly and size friendly and you know, I look back now and I often say how she was handing me this like golden unicorn, but I had already been so shamed and broken by the system that I just didn't trust my ability or my body to, to do what it was to do. You know, and that's not to make anybody sad or get pity, you know, it was just how it, how it was. And so, you know, and they are out there and it's okay to advocate for it and not settle more than yeah. anything so yeah for sure well what's oh your my word? last one yay and it's so funny because you brought about multiples with your mom and grant and that is that um you can't be back if you are pregnant with twins yeah oh my god <laughs> so I was just it's just a thing for me I think because you know obviously having had twins and being offered yes. that and everybody everybody thinks, oh, absolutely not. And I'm like, no, you know, obviously they like certain, you know, incisions to be those low transverse and everything. And, you know, uh, other risk factors along there. But um, that one is one that I always hear. Everybody automatically thinks cannot do it. And it's like, nope, actually, (laughs) that's not true. They can be a, you know, a, a safe option. 
Once again, it's about finding a provider that is educated and confident in their abilities to support you. Yes. End of day. Oh my God. Yes. Like if I could snap louder. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because I think um, multiples itself is always seen as like automatically a high risk birth. And uh, my opinion only as a non-medical provider, they're they're not. I think it's fascinating how many things are considered high risk and how many Mm -hmm. things aren't and like interchangeably depending on the provider you're with, right? I mean, so. I'm plus size. I had multiples in this, you know, prior cesarean. And my provider at the time was willing to be like, you, you know, I think you're a great candidate. You can do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously, like, like I said, we all have, I can't even call it a regret. I just no, wish no. I'd known a little bit more. Wish yeah. I'd known a little bit more. And I think once again, that comes to like my desire for education. Yes. Like an educating, you know, like the families and birthers in our community to be like yes. hold up <laughs> yes and like to affirm you guys who are listening to carrie like she now knows better so she does better and educates people better so if you're you're in her area definitely take her class because she'll she'll help you know better and do better um and it's not from a place of shame but from a place mm. of like absolute love right yes so um I and I think it's such a great topic to bring up of like these different variables that might be thrown at you and immediately you're like well that's out the window can't birth vaginally anymore because I don't know like I have multiples or my VBAC calculator score came off or Or I'm too fat right exactly it's it's amazing or I'm too old another topic (laughs) I won't get on that (laughs) right sure and I I think it's important that we're talking about these myths and the things that drive us nuts because we're both you and I, I know are on every board possible trying to dispel some of these myths <laughs> and like the things that come across to us. And we're like, who said what to you? Like, yes, what was pardon? Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> hmm. Okay. <laughs> so my silly moments that come out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you guys tell us below uh, what myths you've heard and you've been able to dispel with your own story or yeah. through reading evidence and like being exposed. Tell us things that maybe you have heard that you believed for a while, mm-hmm. because I think it's important for us to point it out. And like that way we can educate each other even more. And some of the things that are. Sad. Or once that you're not sure if it's a myth or not, you know, this That's is what true. I'm hearing. Is this evidence based or is this, you know, just, you know. Nonsense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as always, um, make sure that you follow each of us on on every platform, and it's Birth Wizard and Ginger Blossom Dual Services. And you can also find us here on YouTube, and then a couple podcasts. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. I'm so excited about this. Keep in with us. Oh, yes, we might be ready to hear some of y'all's stories. And yes, like, yes, us- yes like message us and we'll have you on so we can hear your stories and maybe yeah, and it doesn't have together. to be just you know those that are you know VBAC I want to know if as you're preparing if you've had a VBAC whether you know you got that VBAC or it was a repeat cesarean yeah. for my CBAC mamas the cesarean birth after a cesarean you know you deserve to be heard too and those that are like the HVAC home birth I guess is that HVAC I'm not quite sure <laughs> home birth yeah 
you know, um, after a cesarean. I love all those stories. And I think that the more we can hear of um, everybody's journey, that it helps to normalize, it helps to make sure we get good information and we live and we learn from others' experiences. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, until next time, I'm Emmy, the birth wizard. And I'm Carrie, the ginger boss and doula. And this was Feedback. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thanks for joining us on VBACT, the podcast dedicated to education, support, and inclusion. If you liked what you heard and want more, do us a favor and follow us on Instagram at VBACT, that's V-B-A-C-E-D, to stay up to date with what's happening on future episodes. And then go ahead and follow each of us on our individual platforms of Ginger Blossom Doula Services or The Birth Wizard for even more VBACT, birth, and postpartum related content. We'd love to hear from you. And until then, take care and have a good one.